Hello, writers, memoirists, autofiction writers, creative nonfictionists, and more. I am Grant Faulkner, Executive Director of National Novel Writing Month, and I am here with my memoir-loving co-host, Brooke Warner. And today we're talking about an exciting new book put out by NaNoWriMo, or, or more specifically by uh, the former NaNoWriMo Program Director, Lindsey Grant. Uh, and Lindsey wrote Ready, Set, Novel, and now she's written Ready, Set, Memoir, which is a workbook and guide full of fun and exercises, just like Ready, Set, Novel. And Brooke, since we just taught a course uh, called Five Things I Know About Finishing a Book, uh, I've been thinking of this list approach to learning. So I wondered if you could tell us, like, let's say three things you need to know in order to write a memoir. I love the list approach. I mean, it's it's always popular and always good. So yes, 100%. One would be to remember that memoir is a series of scenes and not just a recounting of what happened to you. So I think that's a little thing that people can fall into sometimes of just journaling their lives. And a lot of people say that good memoir reads like fiction, and that is true. So take the time to learn the craft. Two is that memoir is different than fiction in that it really does require reflection and universal takeaways for the reader. So that's another thing that memoirists have to learn and lean a little bit more heavily into uh, as opposed to novelists. And I think that memoirs without takeaways have certainly been written and published, but I argue that they would lack uh, connection and heart and that there is this real chance to connect with your reader with a bigger message. So I just encourage people to take that in if you're writing memoir and really take the time to learn about reflection and takeaway. Uh, and then my third one would be that memoir involves as much consideration of process as it does craft. There's so much emphasis on craft, and that's obviously important. But memoir is very emotionally taxing. You know, you're reliving tough experiences, and it requires you to be so vulnerable on the page. And so a lot of memoirists I work with question why the heck they're doing this in the first place sometimes. Uh, and it will be a grueling experience also at times. It can also be obviously super rewarding or people wouldn't do it. So one more point, I guess, on that is that people often talk about the fact that they can't not write the memoir. So there's a sense of it like not being able to let them go. And if you're one of those people, uh, just hang in there, you know, take some time, get some support. It's tough, but it's worth it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fascinating thing to really delve into your life to tell it. And I love Lindsay's book, um, especially as a workbook for a first-time memoirist. Although I have to say, I, I used Ready, Set, Novel as a novelist who you know, had written several novels. So I think these workbooks, no matter what level they're geared towards, they can help you at any level. Um, so there's no reason a seasoned memoirist might um, not also benefit from the book. But I picked out a few exercises I like from the book. They, I guess they, they, they mirror yours to some extent. But, but one exercise really helped me think of life as a topic of memoir and, and taught me how to identify my story. And Lindsay talks about uh, focusing on a slice of life, you know, as opposed to your whole life, identifying your before and after moment. So you can kind of get a sense of that character change or the change in your life. And this uh, helped me also think that a, 
slice of life lives, you know, in this larger ecosystem of the world. So a memoir is a nested story in your longer life. It's not your entire story. And I think this gets to your premise of having a takeaway, Brooke, that if your memoir is about a health problem, you might also relate it to to larger themes. So it's not just a recounting chronological facts, but like a commentary on maybe our healthcare system or lifestyle norms or personal mistakes you made or family history. So yeah, I think that's really important. And then uh, Lindsay's book also helped me think about memoir through the lens of good storytelling. So just like you said, Brooke, a memoir is like a novel in that there needs to be character change, which means that your main character, you, needs to change. And perhaps other characters in the book uh, need to change as well or have a transformation. So, yeah, you need to make narrative decisions. Uh, Even when writing about real life, you have to shape the story. And it's also interesting to me because you strangely serve different roles as a writer you know you're the author but you're also the main character and you're also the narrator so i don't think that there's a form novels don't really demand that so much and then yeah the the third thing is Lindsay has a lot of great exercises about um telling your truth and being vulnerable which is which as you said brooke is the really most important thing i think or one of the most important things in writing memoir and Lindsay says I'm going to read this portion because I really liked it. She says, Dear writer, please believe that if you tell your truth, if you don't try to cast yourself as falsely heroic and instead portray yourself as a person, warts and all, you'll be writing about someone the reader can understand and root for. At the same time, if you are generous and sympathetic in your rendering of other people in your memoir, especially those you've crossed swords with, readers will be able to understand them and their motivations too. So be honest, be generous, and instead of fearing your reader's judgment, trust it. Believe that if you are open and honest, readers will judge you and your story fairly. I think you'll find that when you write without fear, you have nothing to fear. Only if you write fearfully, evasively, or manipulatively will you have reason to dread the reader's response. So I love that advice for writing vulnerably. And Brooke, since you teach memoir, do you have a favorite go-to exercise for students to help them explore their subject matter or conceptualize a memoir to be? more vulnerable on the page? Yeah, you know, most of the exercises I offer my students really are more about process than craft. uh, Because I think writing the best memoir you can write requires you to tap into all those deepest parts of yourself. Obviously, what Lindsay is talking about vulnerability is a key component of that. Uh, It also requires self awareness, and discernment, honesty, even about the things you're embarrassed about, and even about the things that maybe you've never shared with anyone, which is kind of insane in a sense, right? Because then ostensibly you're going on to publish the thing. Uh, So rather than an exercise per se, I do encourage memoirists to work with what we call in our classes, the what happened to me matters draft. And this is when you write without worrying about getting sued or disowned or what's going to happen when dot, dot, dot. And most memoirists do what I call uh, putting the publishing cart before the writing horse. Actually, they start freaking out about all the potential things that might happen to them if, when, et cetera, et cetera. And what they really need to do initially is just write the truth of what happened. And then later there will be the shaping of that draft into story and scene and shaping that story into what they want to publish. So it is a process. So I offer this exercise about 
practice, you know, staying grounded, don't go spinning off into catastrophic future land. And that really it's about one step at a time, which is why I think that classes can be incredibly supportive or that sometimes memoirists need to be in therapy while they're writing their memoir. Because if someone is saying they're asking you to be as vulnerable as you've ever been, it is going to open up a lot. Um, but that's also the way that you're going to be connecting with your readers. Yeah, you know, I've been doing more personal essay writing of late. So I've been thinking a lot about vulnerability and writing. And I think it's interesting because the, the process of writing has made me you know, be more tuned to what I'll call like the nuances of revelation on the page, which is very different than when I'm writing fiction, because fiction, you have this shield. If you're talking about your own life or referring to it in some way, you can kind of hide behind the fiction because you can blend yourself with another character or just kind of massage things and change things to to shield yourself. And, and so my sense of vulnerability actually is that it takes practice because everyone has a different tolerance for self-revelation or vulnerability. But the more you explore yourself on the page and take those risks, you know, like one risk uh, propels you forward to taking a bigger risk the next time, perhaps. But this book also made me think of the, uh, of the opposite hazard, that, that writing a memoir is not only about opening up, it's about selection and selecting what serves the purpose of the story and what doesn't. So some people might run into the danger of revealing too much. So I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that, Brooke. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's the part that I was talking about, the shaping, um, because what happened is not enough. And I mean, it's, it's all kinds of things. I mean, sometimes people go too deep, too dark, you know, and, and sometimes they go the opposite. Like it's too boring because it's what matters to them and maybe not necessarily to their reader. I've read a lot of manuscript evaluations where I just feel like, yeah, you're kind of over, it's not even necessarily oversharing. Sometimes it's overwriting or over going into things that are not necessarily important to your story. So I like to talk to writers about the scenes, having to do the heavy lifting to earn their spot in your book. Ultimately, of course, you get to decide what you omit, and that might need to come later on in your process, right, after you write the What Happened to Me draft. Uh, and to your point, if you write, I've seen writers do this a lot, like they'll write a really intense scene, it's usually something of trauma or abuse. And then they'll decide that they need to find a way just to pull the lens back a little bit, which just allows both themselves and the reader to have a bit of distance. And these are the kinds of choices that writers need to make to shape their narrative as they get farther along in their process. Uh, and it also uncovers with deeper understanding of what happened to you and what the reader needs to know, right? What serves your story uh, and what point you're trying to make that it's not just about this awful thing happened to me, for instance, you know, that it is, it's more than that. And I think that's kind of the key to learning how to write good memoirs. But, you know, of course, all writers are different when it comes to their comfort zones. And sometimes, uh, to your point, I love this idea of like risk begets risk, because your comfort zone is going to change over time. And I think that surprises people. And the more people write, the more maybe risk tolerant they get. Well, the one thing I know about comfort zones is that I'm always comfortable when talking to Lindsey Grant, who defines the positive, whimsical encouragement of NaNoWriMo. So I look forward to talking to her right after this very short and comforting break. Grant, one of the things that's fun about what we do is that we get to hear from listeners who are doing other fun and important creative projects. So this week, I got an email from Mason Angle about his upcoming documentary, The Books Tour, 
which is about his cross-country trip visiting 50 indie bookstores in 50 days and what he learned along the way. And I knew we had to share it with our listeners as soon as I saw the trailer. But first, I sent it to you. So what did you think? I loved it. I uh, was so intrigued. It's so fun. It's so interesting. And it's true. We we only got a preview of the trailer at this point. Just all of you will have access to. But Mason's story highlights the, you know, the value and importance of independent bookstores. And if we want indie bookstores to stay around, we really need to support them. So no shopping at Amazon, folks. Support your local indie bookstore. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating that he started out being like, yeah, I'm going to go around to all these bookstores, but just continue to point people to Amazon. But then his thinking on this really shifts as he starts to make the rounds. And it's kind of like a coming into an awareness of how problematic that mindset was. And I also really appreciate that he shared his own awakening, because we have to support other retailers who are not Amazon or else we are going to end up with only Amazon. And that's not good for your neighborhood or the writing and reading community. So listeners, go check out the Bookstour site at thebookstourfilm.com. That's the bookstore, not the bookstore. <laughs> Did I get that right, Brooke? It's a, it's a tongue twister. My gosh. The Bookstour Film. Yes. Tour, as in T-O-U-R <laughs> film.com. And that will tell you more about the documentary, which is out now. Yeah, and he also has a lot of resources on there for how you can support indie bookstores. And this is a really important effort. A thriving book publishing and author community relies on a healthy ecosystem of booksellers. So thank you, Mason. And we hope you'll all support him. And by extension, indie bookstores, you can check out again, that URL that is a little bit hard to say, the books tour film.com tour tour tour, not store. Welcome back, everyone. I'm particularly thrilled for this week's guest. Uh, Lindsey Grant was the program director of National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, for three years, an amazing three years. And she is the author, co-author, actually, of the NaNoWriMo Guided Writing Journal, Ready, Set, Novel, and the memoir Sleeps with Dogs. She holds an MFA in creative nonfiction and English from Mills College in Oakland, and she just moved back to Georgia from Zurich, Switzerland, which might be fodder for another memoir. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much to both of you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a treat. And Lindsay, I want to start out, I bet you share this experience in some form as well, or have shared it. In NaNoWriMo, I often encounter people who tell me they don't have a story to tell, and I always try to convince them that they're wrong that we all have many stories to tell. And it's really just a matter of identifying a story and then thinking of yourself as a writer or, or as a novelist in the case of NaNoWriMo. And that you'll begin to notice things and shape your story or your story will take shape even without you trying to make it take shape. So I'm curious, what would you tell a person, because I think this happens a lot, who says they've lived an uneventful life and they don't have a story or memoir to tell? Do you have any exercises or prompts in your book to help people you know, conceive of their memoir and conceive of themselves as memoirs? Sure. And um, yeah, I definitely have that had that experience, both in the context of nano and also memoir writing, that how could they possibly have a, a, a book length work um, or anything that important to say? And I think in the case of memoir, there is often this misconception that you have to have lived a very long and storied life or that you have to be famous in some way. 
um, had something really newsworthy happen to you in order to write a memoir. Um, and I think really the truth is more that it is just as much about the way you see the world or the relationships that you have that make up the newsworthiness of a memoir. Um, you both and Lee Stein were kind enough to include one of her quotes from a right-minded interview about this that's, that's early in the book and I think defines really beautifully how one could think about the scope of their memoir. And she says, um, a slice of your life, a dramatic slice of your life, uh, it's a moment in your life that changed fundamentally your future, that divides your life into before and after. So that's how she characterizes what might be fodder for uh, a story from somebody's own experiences. And I love that memoirs now, too, are becoming so much more freeform, that people are really infusing different, or maybe this isn't new, and I'm just more aware of it now, but they're using recipes, or there are so many graphic memoirs, or ways of portraying uh, whatever that person, that writer is passionate about. And so it really becomes like an anything goes. And I had this thought today that, oh my gosh, one way to cast it could be if you were to host a TED Talk, what would your TED Talk be about? What are you most passionate about? Or what is something that really has defined your experience in this way that Lee characterizes as a before and an after? Well, Lindsay, you wrote a memoir before you wrote this most recent book. And I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the process of writing your memoir and how that informed the workbook? And then maybe also if you think that the workbook will guide your next memoir in any way. Sure. So I was one of those um, that took about 10 years to write the memoir. And you can imagine it went through many iterations, um, in so much so that in one draft, it was written in the third person. I hadn't quite gotten to the point where I felt comfortable owning the I um, and, and really owning all of those experiences. So I, I finally got to that point and the book was better for it. It was definitely a book that needed to be written as a memoir. But funny enough, when I was getting into the later stages of revision, I used Ready, Set, Novel to help me shape the story um, because it's still even though it's nonfiction, it needs to read in a compelling way. And I needed to unlock sort of the, the arc and the mystery of the story. And using Ready, Set, Novel was a really great tool to help me figure out in what order I wanted to share the events and the information. Um, and so that kind of gave me this idea that, gosh, you know, there, there really is a place for a guide like this for people who want to write memoir. And you better believe I would use some of these exercises the next time uh, I need to, to shape the memoir, because I think that was really a huge light bulb for me in, in conceiving of this book. Yeah, I definitely used Ready, Set, Novel to write at least a couple novels. So I look forward to using this as well once I get more into memoir writing. And uh, memoir forces a confrontation with self and the way we present ourselves like no other writing form really does. And I like your advice in the book about writing with an agenda and being aware of your motives. 
um, a presentation or how you present yourself. And you say, even if it's true, it happened to you and it fits within the defined scope of your memoir, always question your motives. A general rule of thumb is that you shouldn't ever include something to make you look good or make someone else look bad. That doesn't mean you need to throw it out completely, but effective writing usually doesn't come with an agenda. Your reader will appreciate the nuance of the moment if you're willing to be vulnerable in your self-assessments and generous in your assessment of others. And I think this is such a crucial, you know, a challenge for uh, new memoirists in particular, but anyone. So I'm curious if you could tell us more about being aware of your motives and how that should guide your writing, because sometimes we are going to write about someone looking bad, right? Absolutely. And I think, especially in, in the first draft, stage in this phase that you would be in during a NaNoWriMo event, for example, it is inevitable that you will not be a pure and virtuous memoirist <laughs> and that there will be some revenge in there. And it's so understandable and so forgivable. But in the revision process, uh, it becomes very important to question, why, why did I include this? Does it strengthen the story or as, as you know, the book says, as you said, Grant, is this something that's going to make them look bad and make me look great? And I think when a reader is spending a book length amount of time with you, they get to know you pretty well and they can sniff out that inauthenticity um, that comes with trying to stack your deck um, and trying to, to get away with these things that might feel good in the moment, but really do a disservice to the story and the character. Lindsay, you worked at NaNoWriMo for a while, and it's, uh, you know, there are these principles of NaNoWriMo uh, for a first draft. And we talk a lot about with our guests about whether they're planners, pantsers, or plancers. So do you apply that same principle to writing a memoir? And I'm wondering if you recommend throwing out your inner editor, accepting a crappy rough draft or writing with abandon, maybe all of those things, if they can coexist. Uh, what do you think? 100%. I think it's exactly the same approach where you want to get everything down on the page and not exclude anything that might feel um, important to you in the moment, or maybe you know in the moment that it's not quite relevant. But uh, the really amazing thing about editing, and I love editing, is that even when something doesn't make the final cut, it informs everything else that's in there. And it's still a part of your journey as the writer. And I think it makes you think more about all of those peripheral things just outside of the story that, again, the reader might not see, but that you're thinking about. And so absolutely include it all. And I actually worked with somebody who was working on his memoir. And even the things he showed me, he'd say, you know, a lot of this won't go in there. I haven't gotten permission from the people in these stories to tell these stories. And I think for me... It is less about this ending up in my final draft and more that I'm, I'm in that space, I'm in that time and thinking about it and the interactions and reliving a lot of those moments. And I think that's a really important place to be when you're writing memoir. Yeah, you know, one, one thing I thought about a lot while reading your book, Lindsay, was just this act of how planning a memoir might be very different than planning a novel both in terms of setting aside time to explore your memory and then in selecting memories and thinking about how to relate them. 
And I wondered if there's a danger actually with memoir of people jumping into the writing of a memoir without thinking about planning too much, just because they actually know the story in a way that a novelist doesn't. So I was wondering if you could speak to that, if you think maybe some planning uh, would behoove memoirists more so than novelists. I think the danger that I would see is just that without planning a little bit in advance, without scoping your memoir and knowing what that um, both very personal but universal component is that makes it memoir instead of an autobiography, it's important to identify that or else you will end up just writing the story of your life. Um, and in memoir, it's important to make sure that all the things from your life that you're including are, are through this lens that makes it a memoir, through this subject matter, this time frame, or a relationship or an experience that um, makes that a, a moment in time instead of your entire life from, from birth until present. You know, Lindsay, I'm curious because I, I haven't written a memoir, but I've written some personal essays that take place, you know, decades ago, I guess. Um, and it's always interesting to me that I have to actually research my own life that I lived. And I'm imagining that most people have to do this. So I'm curious if you have any tips for people to go back and research yourself, essentially. Sure. Yeah. It's something that I certainly did. And I think for, for any person who's writing their memoir, it will be specific to the time frame they're talking about in the subject matter, because the technology has changed so much. Um, I think about how much now is, is at our disposal and saved, um, recorded forever, whether we like it or not. For example, in the time of uh, my memoir, I was able to go back and look at emails, which were so helpful to me. Um, but even further back than that, um, I, I referenced a farmer's almanac. And for some people, you know, they would have to maybe go to the library. I don't think microfiche is still a thing, but uh, <laughs> there are just myriad resources, depending, like I said, on the subject matter of the time frame. Um, and it's both a massively helpful, but also really interesting thing because our memory is so spotty. It's so episodic and, and there are so many gaps. And so uh, it is helpful, even if those details don't end up in the memoir, to sit in that space and, and try and remember uh, what it was like in that time. Lindsay, I love that you included some of the wisdom from our guests on Right Minded in your new book. And I was wondering if you might share who a couple of your favorites were in particular, and maybe a lesson or two that you might have learned from listening and then writing about them. Absolutely. This was such a, a pleasurable part of the book to spend so much time with the guests on Right Minded and to listen to their experiences of writing. And um, as you both know, as writers, it can feel so lonely. And even though they have no idea who I am, I feel like I know these people, like I have a whole new subset of friends uh, that, that know this journey so well. I got very excited about uh, Mira Jacob, because I'm I'm very fascinated by the graphic memoir right now. Um, I have a bit of a memoir crush on anyone who is able to represent their memoir in that way. I've always loved uh, Marjan Satrapi's Persepolis, and more recently, Roz Chast came out with a, a memoir that I just think is really beautiful about her parents. And... Um, so that was that was fun for me to continue to explore that type of memoir writing. 
I um, wrote my memoir about animals, and I think I've always read a lot of animal relationship memoir. And so it's good for me to really explore the, the vast array of different types of, of writing and representation that are out there. And Right Minded is incredible in, in the diversity of writers that you all source. Well, thanks so much, Lindsay. And you know what? We, we have a special memoir track for this summer's, this July's Camp NaNoWriMo. And you're going to be a camp counselor for a week during that uh, event. And so I'm just curious uh, about, you know, what do you want to tell listeners to send them on their way to writing their memoirs, hopefully in July? I think another misconception about memoir is that it can be agonizing to, to not to put too fine a point on it, but that it can be really hard to spend so much time in, in your own life and in your mind and in yourself and experiences. And that um, during camp and outside of camp, writing memoir can just be so much fun um, really an adventure, uh, and a wonderful, almost vacation in your own life. And I hope that the people who are interested in writing a memoir for camp, whether they've tried before, or this is all new to them, uh, come to it with that sense of, um, excitement and adventure that we're going to do this together and it's going to be weird and new and we're, we're going to learn a ton. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Lindsay, and we look forward to you being camp counselor this July. As do I. Thank you, Grant, and thank you so much, Brooke. Oh my gosh, thank you, Lindsay, and thank you for writing such a fun book and featuring our uh, our guests on Right Minded and have a fabulous Camp NaNoWriMo. We'll be right back with today's book talk. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this week's book pick isn't about a particular book, but a kind of book, a genre of a sort, the Biblio Memoir. And I just learned about this form. It's a word Joyce Carol Oates coined, and it means to write a memoir about your life through the act of exploring your reading. So a prime example of this is a book by Pico Iyer, uh, who was a right-minded guest, and he was somewhat obsessed with the author Graham Greene. And we all know what it's like to be obsessed with an author. They accompany you through the day as if they're a friend or a mentor and more. You often might find yourself talking with them or seeing through their eyes. So, so he wrote about his life, but he did so while writing about his lifelong interest in Graham Greene and how they each informed each other. And in fact, the title of, of his memoir is appropriately The Man Inside My Head. And I actually learned about this word biblio memoir from my friend Brian Hurley because he runs Fiction Advocate Press. And he's published a series of short memoirs by authors writing about their favorite novels. And he has fantastic authors who have written biblio memoirs about such novels as Thomas Pynchon's Inherent Vice, Chimamanda Adichie's Americana, uh, 2666 by Roberto Berlino, uh, Joan Didion's memoir, The Year of Magical Thinking, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, and others. So... I'm really attached to this idea of, of writing uh, about your life through your reading. And so I encourage you to check out the Biblio Memoir Forum and, and maybe write one of your own. I love that, Biblio Memoirs. And I had not even heard of the term, and I am such a lover of memoirs. So now I'm going to start using it all over the place. Uh, so everyone, you know that we are a weekly podcast and we are zooming into the end of our third season as we approach summer. So uh 
yay, we're going to have a new format in the school year, so to speak, when we start up again in September. So I just want to remind you that we are still on this goal of trying to get our 500 reviews. And I don't know if we're going to make it, but we're still going to ask in these last weeks because we have just a few more episodes to go to round out the summer. We hope that you'll stay with us and we'll be very excited to bring you some super exciting finale style guests (laughs) for the summer. Stay with us and we'll see you next week and every week after that. And happy summer, everyone.